I want to start off by saying to parents, Coach Stewart is a, a very unique uh, gentleman in a variety of different ways. You know, this is a gentleman that began at the JUCO or community college level, as we once referred to it as, uh, then made his way through the Pac-10, now known as the Pac-12, uh, Washington, Washington State, Arizona State, on to Vanderbilt University in a national championship before landing in the great Crescent City of New Orleans. Tonight's guest, Travis Jewett. Thank you for joining us tonight, sir. Walter, thank you for the great introduction. I apologize for <laughs> my lack of tech savvy. Uh, my wife has always been my MVP. Thank goodness she was in arm's length. She got the microphone to work, so... Excited there you to go. Uh, join you. You know how I feel about you. Uh, thank you for this opportunity, and thank you to everybody on the call. Let's uh, let's have a good one. Well, we're going to start a little bit. I want to offer, you know, I want you to get your kind of get uh, parents and student athletes to understand, you know, when you go from an assistant coach to a head coach, having to put it together a staff, but but more in, importantly, putting together a, a squad from scratch, uh, you know, with, with regard to your recruiting and players that understand who you are, who your staff is. Can you take us through your first years at Tulane and some of the, uh, maybe the culture that you may have brought in or maybe begin to implement it and what that looked like and felt like uh, back then and what it looks like now? Well, certainly, you know, um, I'm very blessed, and you, you made some mentions of some of the fortunate places that I've been able to gain some experience, um, but it's the people and the other coaches that I've uh, had to share time with at those past experiences that has kind of helped me, you know, become the head coach that I'm trying to be. Um, so certainly took a lot of those things that I learned along the way uh, that was successful. And, you know, we just try to kind of imitate them, so to speak, and, and move them forward. And, uh, you know, I think our staff, Coach Ullman and Coach Latham, have done a great job. But uh, you've been around this place. You know uh, it's a very uh, positive, spirited, energetic uh dancing music um yeah it's a player driven program so you know uh, we're certainly looking for uh the kids that can play that that's no doubt we need that but we are uh highly into who they are as young people do they have that kind of spirit do they have that kind of positivity uh do they show their teeth because uh if they don't this could be a tough place for them. And then, you know, we're, we're going into the families too. And, you know, are these families uh, going to release their kids to this experience and, and let them go through it? So, you know, it's a, it's a holistic approach. It's kind of the three P's for us here at Tulane. It's the, the play for sure. It's the pass because we are one of the world's best private institutions. And then it's the pay, which, We've got a large price tag, and so we got those. And then it's the other P, which is the personality. And uh, we, we want kids that enjoy playing baseball, you know, enjoy being a part of something bigger than themselves and, and willing to 
give up and give in anything that they have to to uh, be a part of something bigger than themselves. So um, in a nutshell, that's what we're kind of looking for. And, uh, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. And you use the word kind of culture, which I try to be careful throwing around because everybody kind of has one. But uh, culture to me is just it's championship behavior every day that ends in why. And um, your coaches have to have it. And then your kids have to learn how to do that as well. And then when you start doing it and behaving like that, then then you uh, actually do have a culture. So uh, we've made a lot of strides, Walter. Uh, just in that uh, self alone, uh, and as we've gotten better, our competition from within has gotten better. And just, you know, the kids, I think, through the recruiting process kind of get a feel for who we are and kind of what our program stands for. And, and uh, you know, that's that's how we roll. You know, one of the great, great things that I love about you with regard to your energy, uh, you know, Let's talk about slapping. <laughs> I must have probably about, I would say on average, any good week, five to 10 people that ask me, is that something that came over from Vanderbilt? Is that something we miss? We don't see behind. And I try to get them to understand, you know, based on my talks with you and, and, and Jay and Coach Latham, you really did this to create a sense of energy and a sense of passion to each individual game. Can you think? It's it's definitely a two-lane two staple. I mean, that's the signature kind of thing that people associate now. Slap the wall. It's got its own hashtag. Talk to that dynamic, why you brought it, why you felt it was important to kind of bring to the team. Yeah, well, you kind of hit it on the nose. You know, I wanted to glorify winning, Walter. Um, you know, winning's hard. And college baseball's hard. And, you know, where we're at is hard. And we can go on and on. And I wanted to part of this culture that we're referring to is is I wanted the kids to learn how to compete. I want them to learn how to win. Uh, I wanted them to learn how to, you know, enjoy uh, victory because it's hard. And it all started uh, after my first couple years here and bless those kids hearts that were here. When I got here, uh, a lot of those guys were older, and uh, I was their fourth coach, Walter, in their college career. Uh, you know, not their fault, not my fault, but here comes old Coach Jewett, you know, whistle around his neck, you know how I am, and da-da-da. So it's just different, you know, and I just didn't really uh, sense that, you know, we were competing well, we weren't trying to win inside of our training environments. We weren't glorifying winning. We weren't doing all of those things. So I was literally doing things like uh, almost like a kindergarten project where you'd have the kids' names up and down one side of a easel and then gold stickers for winning this bunt versus O versus bunt D competition, this big Jew D game we play. Uh, that's my nickname, everybody out there. It's a game that we play. Uh, whether it was a natural scrimmage, uh, it just didn't matter. Uh, running, uh, yeah, glorifying winning, learning how to compete, uh, tasting defeat, all the things. And then it just kind of kept going. And I don't really know how I ended up with this, but I was like, you know, how about something like at the end of a victory where we create this sticker and the person of the game kind of thing. 
uh, we give it to them and, and they slap it on the wall and we just kind of keep it up there, but it's just kind of a, you know, Hey, wave win. And, uh, you know, we're going to celebrate victory and we understand how hard it is. And, uh, it's just brought just a tremendous, um, energy. Uh, you know, it's put a lot of eyes on our program that way. I said, guys, if we don't win, we're not, we, we don't slap the wall when we lose. So <laughs> let's make sure, uh, we start to learn how to do it. But, uh, you know, Walter, it, it's the slap is about as electric every game as it was the game before, you know, and it just hasn't fiddle, uh, fizzled out at all. Um, our kids, I think they know how much we ask of them, how much investing they put into this. Um, and then when they come out on the good end of the stick, you know, we, uh, we celebrate it. And uh, it's cool because it's a team thing, but it's also an individual or maybe two if we do a double palm slap because a couple guys had a direct in, impact in the outcome of the game. But uh, you see a bunch of guys, Walter, that are happy for other success and ultimately happy for our success. And so it, it's just become kind of a cool thing. And, uh, you know, I'm certain glad w that we've established it and, uh, we'll hang with it as long as we can. Well, I, I see it as a way of bringing passion and excitement, no uh, not only into a dugout, just to, to a team as a mm -hmm. whole, recognizing that each individual game, it's going to be somebody else. It's never going to be just one person. It's a team uh, from, you know, beginning to end of the season, from the 35th man to the first guy. Uh, so I love it. So one of the things I want to bring up real quick, um, you know, my thing has always been I enjoy watching you coach the offensive side of the ball. Now, I know we pitch. I know we field. I know we do a lot of those things. But I go and I watch a two-lane practice or when I would watch a Vanderbilt practice, I always pay attention to those details. And, if you know, for those parents and student-athletes that may not be aware, I believe over the last six years, Tulane leads at least the state of Louisiana with high-end draft picks, multiple draft picks each year, higher draft picks each year with regard to the rounds. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are, are, are on the offensive side of the ball. Just give us a little tidbit of what you're looking at. When you go out to evaluate a hitter or a student athlete, whether it be a travel ball level or high school level, what are a few things that are sticking out maybe to you or maybe Coach Ullman, you know, when you and Jay are kind of, you know, finding your way across the, the youth baseball landscape, what are you looking for in offensive players? Well, you know, that's a great question. I, I would say it's simply this. Um, does the swing work? That That's important. And then it's also like, is he in control of his timing? Is he in control of his moves? Is he in control of his body position? And then is he really, is he engaging his back knee into the pitch? And can he swing at the strikes and take the balls and understand strike zone management. Um, all those things are absolutely huge to me. I, I want a kid that can prove to us that he can walk uh, high on base percentage, uh, things like that. You know, if, if we recruit a kid that strikes out a million times in high school, uh, let me give you three guesses what he's probably going to do in college. Um, so, you know, looking for those guys that have pace body movements and rhythms and, and are just good at controlling the strike zone. And it's not always about swinging at strikes, but swinging at the right pitches. And uh, I'm really, really big on that. 
um, you know, before we even get them. So, and, you know, I could probably bore you to death, but I am looking for a certain, um, you know, what does his foot look like when his foot hits or what does his body look like when his foot hits the ground? Does he understand that you don't stay back when you hit, you actually control your bodies forward and you get to the, you know, center of, of your body, which we call dynamically balanced and give your yourself a chance to turn fast, which really is what a swing is. And so looking for some of some of those kind of components and then just kind of, is he in control at what he's swinging and what he's not? Uh, I think if he is those, then I think we got a good hitter on our hands. Now, before I go diving into some of the questions submitted by the parents and the student athletes, you know, when you're at Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're, you're recruiting a different caliber uh, player back then. And as you make your way into the role of head coach and you start recruiting, kind of walk us through the recruiting landscape now as opposed to maybe when you first took over. And by that, I mean, instead of worrying about just the southeast, you know, uh, you're, you're broadening, you're now competing and swinging, swimming in the same pool as Vandy and probably Ole Miss or, you know, that team up the road in Red Stick. So talk a little bit about your recruiting philosophies and where you might look, whether that be JUCO, high school, or even the dreaded transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes, and yes. You know, we're kind of have a little bit of all three of those right now, Um Here's the big thing for me, Walter, is um, where I think we separate ourselves. And this isn't an egotistical statement, but we're just one of a handful of schools or and I'm not saying a handful, but that have this kind of educational opportunity with this level of Division One baseball and with what you so kindly made mention about the ability to uh, do both of those things and still do what we really need to have in the recruiting process is a desire for the young man that wants to play professional baseball. And so, you know, we're not just a club team here. You know, we want kids that and families that want to get a great education. We want them to play in, you know, right now our league is uh, anywhere from probably the third, fourth, or fifth-rated RPI conference in the country. So it's got great competition. Our local competition in the midweeks is thick, uh, as you made mention to LSU and Southern Miss and South Al and, you know, uh, Southeastern. And so our midweek games are tough. And um, the beautiful thing is, is it costs as much to go to school here for the kid right across the street as it does the kid from – where I'm from is Tacoma, Washington. So uh, we can attract qualified players uh, that have a high desire to get a quality education, uh, play competitive division one baseball and still have a dream to play professionally. So uh, we don't have any boundaries. We'll go from top to bottom and side to side Um, high school. Great. Uh, Junior college, bring it. Uh, especially if we have a need, right? We're looking for some experience. Um, now we have our natural challenges with junior college admissions, but uh, we, we can get some in. And then uh, now with this new transfer portal, um, you know, if there's a, a, a person that we think will enhance our personality from that perspective and then our play, um, we'll, we'll do a little bit of that too. But uh, 
I think 17 or 18 different states represented on our roster right now, Walter. So we got them everywhere from Arizona to Florida to the Northeast to Georgia to Wisconsin uh, and a lot of places in between. So uh, it's pretty cool that, uh, you know, we could kind of afford this three for one. You know, the three things that I just talked about um, that this school – could maybe provide um so yeah it's uh in recruiting as you know it's all timing man it's all just about what you need um and trying to attack those needs and then uh you know for us it's also uh we want to get in on the players like you said old miss and bandy and all said that because we realize that um those are some of the best schools in the country but a lot of times it just comes down to you know can you get into school here and can you uh, pay for the experience? Cause it does, it does cost quite a bit of money. You know, on that note, as you begin to ascend into the national rankings, uh, obviously the caliber, uh, you know, the, the dynamics of your team begin to change. Uh, there's a lot of expectations and you begin to recruit uh, to that caliber of student athlete. And so I, you know, I'm going to get into some of these questions from some of our our student athletes and players. And on the topic of junior college player, is there a time of year where a junior college player, if you're not recruiting them by a specific time period, has that time period passed? You know, I, I know you have your third baseman's from LSU Eunice. I know you've had some guys from that neck of the woods. When are you generally recruiting the JUCO student athlete? versus the high school student athlete, are they one and the same with regard to recruiting or is there a specific time period during the calendar year that you look at one over the other? Well, I think they are a little bit different, you know, because the high school kids, as you know, the recruiting for them is happening faster and faster, right? I think you and I were trying to figure out where we were, where we were going to go to school our senior summer. Um that doesn't happen anymore. So the high school kid, that's happening earlier and earlier. The junior college kid, Walter, I would say uh, at the beginning of the fall of either their freshman or sophomore season, for us, the earlier that we can get engaged with the potential Tulane baseball player from coming from junior college, the better. Because as I made mention, um, it's not just as easy as coming from your JUCO and all your credits transferring because Tulane will uh, look at your transcripts pretty closely and there's certain things that won't be accepted, um, certain things that are, and then obviously everybody's got to get to a certain amount of credits and all those types of things. So the earlier that we can get in, and develop a relationship with the kid and uh, think that this might be somebody that can help us moving forward, then we can kind of help steer uh, them, their academic advisors to make sure that they're taking the right classes because the longer we wait, Walter, we run into a junior college sophomore in the middle of his sophomore year. Uh, man, we really like this player. He could help us. Let's get his transcripts and too much time has maybe passed and he doesn't have enough of the things that we may accept. And you can see where that uh, gets into a, a little bit of a hairier situation. So the earlier, the better for us with the JUCO. And then, you know, the high school kids, like I mentioned, uh, 
shoot, we're, we're watching these kids when they're, you know, ninth and 10th grade now. So, um, yeah. You know, that's, that's the, the next question. And that goes to, are you recruiting high school players during high school season, or are you recruiting them during the summer? Are you recruiting more towards the higher level travel ball organizations or, and not my words, the questionnaire mom and pop type teams? Do you gravitate towards high school season or do you wait for travel ball season? Do you only go after the higher level travel ball, more recognizable names, or do you see all teams across all levels? Yeah. You know, I, I, you might have to help me through this a little bit because there's a lot of parts there, but listen, nobody has a, a, a uniform that I don't care, you know, about what team they play on. If you're a good player, uh, I, I'm not really that worried about it. You will run into some kids that maybe are in some pockets of the country where that's what they do. They play like on their high school Legion team or, you know, whatever that doesn't scare me away. Um, We'll go see anybody, anywhere, anytime. Uh, team doesn't matter. Um, I do like the summer because uh, we get unlimited evaluations in the summer. And so the more, obviously, we can watch a young man compete, engage with his teammates, succeed, fail, hustle, not hustle, uh, you know, all of those things, good, bad, or indifferent, the more we can see it, then the more we can probably say, yeah, that's his spots. That's, that's who he is. Uh, we like it or we don't. Um, what the problem with the high school season is not that we're not um, doing that, you know, coach Ullman, um left training early today to go out to a high school game. So we certainly will, but we have our own thing going here now as well. So it's just um, not as easy for us to get um, to those types of games because um, one, we, we need to do some for sure, but you know, in the recruiting process, Walter, the thing that I share with the coaches is, you know, we talk to these kids and their families about, what a great experience Tulane is educationally, athletically, the player development piece and things like that. We can't just recruit them like that with the words and then be out all the time gone looking for a new crop of players. We need to pay special attentions to those that have chosen to come be a part of this. And it's our objective to make sure that we're helping them and us get better. So we do get the most opportunity to see the most players, the most times in kind of those summer through the fall um, type of opportunities. And uh, that's just because that's when most of the baseball is played. And then when the other baseball is played, we're playing too. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to be mean here, but we're first right now. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of recruiting in the summer and the fall. Can you speak to, uh, is there any type of, I'm going to refer to it as tops. I have a parent asking with regard to private schools versus state schools. Does Tulane have any sort of academic type of packages or tops related 
merit-related programs that student-athletes and their families can seek out? No. That's simple. And that's a frustrating thing. Now, the local Louisiana high school kids, Walter, they, there's some tops um, involved there. I think the it's about a $6,500 on the high end um, would be your tops. Not everybody qualifies for the most, obviously. Um, but in terms of academic money, financial aid, uh, no. They're, they're, it's just it's not really uh, part of the equation, which, you know, has made what we've been able to do uh, in our time here uh, pretty impressive. Right. Because we're, we're dealing with full baseball scholarships, you know, the 11.7. But we don't have really any uh, outside help for a place that's, you know, starting to get past eighty thousand dollars. So um, why no academic money, Travis? Well, when you're at one of the world's finest institutions, right, you could think about how many people apply, the acceptance rates. Um, and so the money's hard to get because there's a lot of uh, really smart people that uh, might get to the front of that train, so to speak. And so uh, I shouldn't say zero, but it, it's not a ton. You know, we, we get some guys that get a few dollars here and there, but uh, – uh, not a ton. So again, that's part of the recruiting process too, Walter. Uh, we might go out there and really like a player and everything like that. And uh, it's just um, his grades maybe aren't going to get him any academic money. Um, there's no financial aid and the bit of baseball money that we may be able to give him uh, would still leave him with too much to pay. I'm a father myself. I understand that, you know, life uh, sometimes has some financial restrictions and we don't uh, harm anybody for that. And, but we don't um, apologize for what the education is about. And we just got to do, as you said, uh, very well said, swim in the right pools, you know, so we got to want, we got to find the people that want this education that understand that there's going to be a price to pay for it. And then hopefully we can help them out in a certain way. And if they can get a little bit of some of those other things that we talked about to help offset the high cost, then uh, that's great too. Let's talk a little bit about arms. Uh, you know, everybody wants the big show ponies, um, you know, and we get the left-handed pitchers, you get the smaller right-handed pitchers. A lot of parents are asking about metrics, analytics, all these kind of things, spin rates, et cetera. When you go out and you're looking at a student athlete, I mean, where where does analytics and metrics fall with, say, the smaller left-handers that are, are getting guys out and the smaller right-handers that, you know, disrupt timing? You know, what are you looking at when it comes to pitching? Well, you and I spoke about this a little bit earlier before we got on this call. I'm kind of a caveman. Um, when it comes to all that analytics stuff, you know, um, I want um, strike throwers. I want uh, rhythm changers. You don't have to throw, um, you know, 93, 4, 5 miles an hour for me to recruit you at Tulane, especially at the age of which we're recruiting you at, right? We understand that you're going to get stronger and more physically 
mature and functionally strong and all those types of things. Um, I'm looking for projection in the body. I'm looking for arm action, Walter. I like climbing elbows. I like hand speed. I like low strikes. I like the ability to throw a second pitch uh, for a strike, you know, um, the feel for holding runners, uh, fielding your position, things like that. I tell you a story uh, right now. When I signed our closer, Walter, he was probably uh, 5'10", if you liked him at the time, and maybe about 150 soaking wet. Uh, competitor, arm speed, uh, elbow climb, good. Strikes, yes. Compete, yes. Uh, probably throwing 84 to 86. Then when we signed him, saw him that following summer coming in here, touching 89, gun get a little happy, might see a zero. Um, he's now in his sophomore year here now. He actually has a rear end. He has some hamstrings. Um, he's closing games for us. And uh, I think his last pitch of the Mississippi State game on Sunday was 94-5. So, right, development, strength, maturity, a uh, good pitching coach, certainly a throwing program, um, all those things that I think we have. So um, it doesn't have to be a million miles an hour or this, that, or the other, but it needs to be strikes, and it needs to have a at least a secondary pitch, and it could be a really good changeup too or whatever, but, uh, you know. And listen, we're college baseball, Walter. You know, Major League Baseball kind of gets the best of the best, right? And if I'm out there recruiting a kid throwing 95 presently, then eh, you hope that he'd go to school. But at the same time, you know, that 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 gets tough. And then you got all your Vandys and all those schools that you reference um, maybe jump ahead of us, so to speak, when it comes to that. And so we've got, we got to really do a good job of just not overlooking the team, the kid that doesn't play for the fancy summer team or, you know, the kid that throws 92 or those are all, you know, can be bonuses. But at the same time, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll look at undersized and not that hard throwing and all that stuff like that. But um, we think we got a good development plan and, and uh, those kids will grow up into it. And hopefully they'll become um, what we project them to become. Let's talk a little bit about the mental development as well as the physical development. I had a good little chat with Coach Ullman, and, you know, we talk about when college recruiting occurs, parents are always thinking about my son's going to go to school X, he's going to be a player right away. But, you know, sometimes that freshman and sophomore year, there's a, there's a big learning curve, but it's both mental and physical. Can you talk about the development side of college baseball you know, without having to get kids running to the transfer portal the minute they experience some sort of a, uh, a hiccup along the way. Yeah, I would love to. Um, you know, for all of you awesome people on this call, remember when you choose a college, you're choosing a, – it's a career. You know, it's a three-, four-, five-year decision. And a lot of times in life, things don't always strike on your watch. 
Um, and so you've got to just, you know, have what we call stick to itiveness. You got to hang in there. You got to learn. You got to get better. You got to be coachable. You got to be challenged. You got to fail. Uh, you got to learn how to compete. Um, all those things are super important. Um, you know, a lot of these kids, Walter, when they get to us, uh, they sit next to me during the games, right? Which they're not used to sitting next to their coach during games because they're all usually pretty good players or they wouldn't be here. So the, you got to learn how to maybe not start every day or be a spot starter or a pinch runner or pinch defender, an at-bat here or there. Um, but you just you, – you make a quality decision based on the character of the coaches – what kind of husbands and fathers they are, the ability of some place that you would feel good about releasing your son to, uh, that's important. So he can step out of the parent's way and learn how to do these types of things. And then we just want our kids to just keep investing, man. Just keep doing it because you never know when it's going to happen. And if it happens for you earlier, then, you know, that's probably a little bit of a trend, uh, a better transition, so to speak. But Man, we, we spend a ton of time teaching these kids that, you know, you're part of something now bigger than yourself. Uh, only so many guys in a 35, and we're in 40-man rosters now, Walter. Um, you know, what is that? Less than a fourth of them are going to get on the field at the same time. So, you know, there's there's going to be people on the bench. you got to learn how to, um, you know, whatever your role is, you got to accept it and you got to move forward. And if you don't like it, uh, you just got to keep paying your rent and kind of keep fighting and competing. And when your time gets called, um, you know, be ready. I, I, a quick story I'll tell you. I, I talked about the DeVito, the kid that's closing for us now, throwing 84 when we signed him, and he's throwing almost 95 now. But uh, our right fielder is back-to-back American Athletic Conference Player of the Week. Um, he's in his fourth year in our program and this right now is the first year that he's regularly started. Um, his freshman year, he came in, he was an infielder, had some injuries, uh, you know, got hit in the face with a errant ball in BP when he was taking grounders at third. Um, he's endured a COVID season. He's been in, he's been out, you know, uh, and here he is now hitting leadoff for us. I I think he might be hitting darn near 500 through our first 12 games, and, and we're playing good competition, uh, leader, you know. But he didn't give up, Walter. He didn't quit. He didn't get in the transfer portal. He understood that uh, this is where he wanted to be, and this is the education that he wanted to get. And he would do everything he could to, uh, you know, make his impact on this program. So those are the kind of people that we want here. And um, – you know, I get it. It's it's not easy. And, uh, you know, I understand my role as the baseball coach, but also as a life skills coach and a little bit of a stepfather. Um, you know, I need to manage these guys and their personalities and stuff like that. But at the same time, um, they got to know we love them. But, you know, only so many guys can play and they just got to keep fighting because uh, it's a lot like life. You know, can't just jump right. to the transfer portal all the time. And you got to put your fingers down, man. It's not its not everybody else's fault all the time. It's like that. A lot of times you got to look in your mirror and, you know, are you doing what you can be doing 
with the decision that you made, um, man, my, my recommendation would be for guys to hang in there, man, as best as they can and try to make it work. Okay, let's talk about the fingers. Um, you know, let's talk about the role that social media plays. You know, in today's world of hashtags and uncommitted and all this other fun stuff, mm-hmm. um, is that stuff that you as a coaching staff at Tulane pay attention to? Are you interacting with students and parents, I guess, on social media? The question from a parent is, if I send Coach Jewett a friend request, is that legal? And I don't know anything about the social media recruiting. My time was before that, but that play a role in recruiting at Tulane University, social media. You know, the only role that it really plays for us is to promote our program, you know, from a social media platform, the Twitter, uh, Instagram, and Facebook. I think um, that plays a role usually um, – and I say this respectfully, if I get a, you know, a random uh, request to follow me on Twitter or things like that, uh, I, I don't, I don't even accept it. I, I don't, you know what I mean? I just, I don't do it that way. I have to have a little bit of a deeper uh, relationship or a knowing of this person, whether it's through a recommendation, having actually met them, watched them play been on a visit where I can see their eyeballs and like learn them a little bit. Are they actually the people that we want to recruit? And then at that point, um, yeah, we'll follow uh, some of our recruits on, on the social media so that we can, you know, track them and follow them and support them and all those types of things, especially the kids that are committed and signed with us. Um, But I'm not uh, afraid of, taking a social media or, you know, like a Twitter or Instagram from a coach I trust, um, a friend like you, all that kind of stuff that says, hey, Travis, I'm going to send you some of this or here's a link to this young man's um, Twitter space. Uh, There's some video on there. Uh, you might be able to get a initial engagement. Um, Then, yeah, I'll, I'll do that kind of stuff. But from just a random, um, it's tough for me to get back to all the people that, you know, might go there. Cause I, I just don't know who they are or what it is. And so it's not a, it's not me being rude. It's just probably best for everybody. Cause I don't want to waste their time nor do I want them to waste mine, so to speak. Okay, a parent is asking, when you go to see a player in the summer, do you reach out to their high school coaches to do any type of extended follow-up? What is the role of a high school coach with regard to your recruiting of a student athlete? That's such a super question. Um, I'm going to speak for myself. I hear that this is maybe not norm anymore, but that's not for me to decide. Um we always call the high school coach. I, I don't care. Um, yeah, he could play for this summer team, uh, but we are going to engage the high school coach. You know, he sees him um, a lot. He coaches him, obviously, a lot. Uh, we think we can get some good input from that. And just also just out of respect, 
for the high school coach that coaches this young man, you know, I think it's important that he's involved in the process as well. So, yeah, uh, even if maybe we see him on a summer circuit and he's playing for team XYZ, uh, we'll find out where he's from, what high school he's from, and we will track the high school coach down uh, to just gain some more information um, from him. And then, to be honest with you, Walter, uh, if we really like the kid, uh, we might even actually be calling other high school coaches in this young man's league and ask them maybe, who's the best player in your league? Who's, who are you most fearful of? You know, just things like that. Like um, just trying to hopefully get the answer that, you know, it's Johnny that you're talking about here, you know, or whatever. So. We'll, we'll do a lot of phone calling because, uh, again, I, I, I don't want to recruit bad kids, and so I want to find out a lot about them. Can you talk a little bit about culture and chemistry? Mm. Are, are they, you know, that's something that I want parents to kind of understand and the importance and the difference mm. between culture and chemistry. Well, that's just a great question, you know. Um, to me, in order to have culture, you got to do it well for a long time. You know, it's just not something that happens a couple of times here and or there. We say it's an everyday thing that ends in Y, which is all of them. Um, you know, it's what we call championship behavior. And so we've got to understand mind organization organizes my body. Uh, we show up in the clubhouse. We, we've got to be on point, you know, we've got teammates to uh, cell phones to put down and teammates to get involved with, you know, you go out to the field, uh, you might be tired, you might be this, you might be that, but you got to put your chip in, man, and, and you got to invest in yourself and everybody. And that's from not only a physical standpoint, but from a mental, uh, I'm here, um, I'm excited to be here to do what I love to do with those who I love to do it with, that should uh, get you pretty fired up. And so, um, yeah, we, and I'll tell you this too, Walter, I learned this a lot from Corbs was like culture to me, a lot of organizations work from kind of the, the young to the old or from the front to the back or whatever you want to say. Um, and then I think it's always like turns wrong or quick where our expectations are that our older guys, they're what we call more knowing. And so the longer we've been able to be around here and the longer we've been able to establish this culture that I think you see that we have, uh, it becomes kind of the older guys are driving the bus and they're the ones that are turning the lights out at the end of the night. They're emptying the trash in the in the clubhouses, right? Uh, we have itineraries, uh, really good ones that we put out for road trips. Um, guess who's carrying the crappy stuff? <laughs> my starting shortstop, you know, uh, my Friday night pitcher, uh, the older, more experienced guys. Um, why? Because one, they can, and two, they're just more knowing. Um, and so then when you see your older guys doing that, then the younger kids see it, uh, then they start to behave it through imitation. And when those older guys go play pro ball, 
right? Or they exhaust their eligibility. Then the younger guys, they get older and they start to do it. And it just kind of works itself well where it's not just like, oh, hey, we're older. We don't have to do crap. We don't uh, have any, uh, you know, give a crud about how things roll around here and let them do all this and do all that. Ours is actually kind of a reverse uh, way that way. And so we're always just kind of covered from the older, better players down, so to speak, you know, because nobody's immune to doing their part. That's what a team is, man, being a part of something bigger than yourself. And sometimes you got to do some of those types of things. But what you find is that uh, they become very willing and then they understand, you know, things that tickle my heart too, Walter, man. You know, sometimes I can say the same thing. Uh, when a guy's in his fourth year, he's heard me say, you know, keep your lead side in and your nose plain and all those things you and I talk about or behave like this or mind organization of that or our connectivity things that we do. Um, they're standing in the front of the circle all the time. They're at the front of the seat, you know, looking at me in the eye. And what do you think the younger kids see? And so they just start to replicate it. And you see where the process has a chance to gain steam and actually, uh, be replicated, you know, and that's what allows it to have some continuity. And uh, that's kind of what I would say about that. One of the things that I, I genuinely, you know, I, we talked to a lot of coaches, uh, you know, I've met a lot of coaches, but one of the things that I genuinely enjoy when I have the opportunity to come and watch you guys, not only play, but practice is as I see the, the train gaining steam, you know, when you first took over uh, a lot of changes, as you alluded to four coaches in four years, uh, you know, I, not only do I see student athletes buying into the leadership roles, but as you just alluded to the continuity of the culture of wanting to win and caring about the guy to your left and to your right. Mm -hmm. So when you get that new guy that comes in, maybe from the portal or JUCO, does it take that type of student athlete longer to assimilate or does it take the high school? Oh, uh, you know, I'm number five ranked in the state of Nebraska and I, you know, I'm somebody, I mean, does it take the, the high school guy longer to kind of figure it out or the JUCO or the transfer guy longer? Well, I think, you know, Probably the high school kid, you know, if I just had to tell you the what I see the most. And that's just because the JUCO kid or the transfer, he's he's had some college experience. He's probably, uh, you know, obviously maybe a little more mature because he's older and things like that. But the high school kids, sometimes they'll come in here and it's not bad, but, you know, they're just kind of eyes are open. Uh, mouth is kind of shut. You know, hopefully their ears are open, right, because they're seeing and watching. Um, but sometimes it'll take them a little bit longer to um, engage their personalities into the whole, you know. And uh, when I see that, oh, those are some of my favorites because I'll just keep going up to them every day. Where's your personality, man? Give me your personality. Um, it's cool. I don't care if you're 18 or 22 on this team. No uh, spirit and energy in your teeth and your smile. Um, no, just just give it to me. And I just kind of help them coax it out of them 
so that they know that it's okay. Um, you, you've seen our training, Walter. It's spirited. Uh, I've got a whistle around my neck. Uh, we encourage um, laughter and hustle and, you know, just all of those things. So what we're doing, it's not a grind. You know, it's fun. We're playing baseball, getting a great education. And I want these kids to generally enjoy themselves, you know, and when they're trying to be, you know, a little timid or scared or whatever like that, a lot of times when I can let them just say, just let it out, man, just, just be you and be the guy that we recruited and it's okay. And right. You're going to get laughed at and ranked out a little bit here and there. We all poke fun at each other, but it's just like the more I see them do it, the sooner that they do it, then you can see it just the shoulders kind of drop, the chest kind of puffs out and they're going, okay, you know, this is good. So, um, but it takes, you know, it takes some courage and you got to want to, and, and, uh, you know, we encourage it. So, um, I, I, I would say it probably takes the high school kid maybe just a little bit longer, but, uh, you know, I've seen it the other way too, but it's something that it happens pretty quick. So let's talk about the role of uh, recruiting, uh, companies, um, you know, agencies, when you're out, and Coach Ullman and Coach Latham and, you know, you guys are out and people say, hey, guys, uh, Juice, I got a guy for you. Hey, Jay, I got a guy for you. Hey, uh, Dan, I got a guy for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you decipher? How are you working on that? You get, you know, email bombed or, you, you know, is this something that you make sure you put eyeballs on kids physically before you invite student athletes or families to come down? I have parents that are asking me, you know, if we want to get in front of Coach Hewitt and we live out in the great state of Washington or Oregon and we don't find our way to Louisiana that often, can we have somebody call on our behalf? You know, that's basically the question. How are we getting people in front of the Tulane coaching mm-hmm. staff? Great question. Um, yeah, if I know somebody that you know, you know, or, or that calls, that'll help. If, if it's uh, somebody that I trust, right, and worked with in the past, uh, coached, played, you know, whatever together. Um, those things certainly help. Um, I can't tell you that we've never just taken some guys on from video and stuff like that because we just had this thing called a pandemic. It was called COVID. So that was hard to get out. The travel opportunities were diminished. We had to do a little bit more like video recruiting, right? Um, that was tough. Um, but the, when we're able Walter to get out, I, I want to see these guys play. I do. Um, so go to camp, you know, um, let us know what your summer schedules are, things like that. Um, you know, I can't promise you that we'd see you, but, um, yeah, I, I, I would need to have a trusted, person tell me that I need to go to Washington to see somebody and then we would need that position too you know so again it kind of boils down to timing but uh, I like camps I do you know because I get it people are going to say oh there he is promoting his camp yeah one my volunteer doesn't make any money so you could pay a hundred dollars to go to a cool college camp and introduce yourself to coaches let them see you physically, meet you, 
uh, watch you move, watch you swing, watch you throw, watch you field, watch you compete. Uh, you could also see how you think about the coaches. Uh, Coach Jewett's a little weird for me. Uh, he's too positive, whatever it might be. Those are learning things about making a good decision. You could visit campuses while you're doing it. You could smell the cities of the schools that they're in while you're doing it um, at really a, a pretty uh, cheap cost for you know what you're thinking about from a future decision process. So um, summer, camps, and then, like I said, if I have a trusted source like you, Walter, tell me I need to get up to X, Y, or Z and see this kid because he could fit and help us. You know what we like. Then I'll probably – somebody on our staff probably find their way to see him. Well, I think what you're talking about is something that I recommend to families all the time. Going to camps specifically allows you not only to meet the coaching staff but to see the school get the lay of the campus see the city that the campus is located in logistics you can kind of find out um you know a little bit about the school so that's why i always talk about camps and you know one of the things that you just touched on that i think is important and i certainly know that you're not going to uh toot the horn but you know the personality of a coach during the practice environment or the development uh, environment is, is a big deal. You know, uh, you talk about guys, you know, at the other levels, like, uh, you know, uh, we got the guy out there in Eunice and, uh, you know, these are mentors, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I put that in that same category. And so what I would just, can you just allow parents to kind of see, it's not all about baseball. You know, it, there's a lot of things that are going on as a coach, especially as a head coach. You know, you're worried about the dating life. So you're a psychologist. You might be dealing with landlords or roommates. You might be dealing with grades and professors and study habits. Um, you know, you got internal strife. This guy doesn't like this Put that color. on in, in a, this guy wants to wear that color. Somewhat perfect talk world. About the dynamic of, you know, as a head just coach, today, all of the Travis, you're trying to teach young men, not just the baseball side of things. Yeah, no doubt. Speaking of, quickly, we 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 have to wear high pants tomorrow, which I like, anyways, because my starting pitcher six eight, and he doesn't like the long pants because they don't fit him. So we wear short pants because that makes him feel better. See, so I'm a cool guy. Um, <laughs> but no, we um, we um, listen. The older I'm getting. I've been blessed to be at two of these world-class institutions in Vandy and Tulane now. Uh, this educational piece that I so gratefully have that I can share with students and what I know it's going to do for their future, uh, it's a big deal to me. Um, yeah, how they grip the ball and the bat and turn double plays big deal yeah it's a huge deal uh but i want these guys to be good husbands and fathers right i want them to learn how to you know leave a tip on the road and you know hold doors for women and put their luggage up on the planes and you know we spend a great amount of time just kind of learning how to be a a good person you know and um we're teaching a lot of life skills, uh, you know, from everything that I learned about national anthem from Vandy to uh, 
you know, just how to treat people, the selflessness and, you know, the toughness that it takes to, to survive, you know, and, and just be a good person because eventually uh, they'll be in the working world and they're going to be husbands and fathers and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I, I truly do want this to be a holistic experience. And so we spend a lot of time, you know, we talk about all the holidays. We talk about commemorative things that happen through the history of the United States. I mean, I, I'm into trying to educate these kids both on and off the field. And, and uh, you know, I, I am a baseball coach, but I also think I have a responsibility um, as a life coach too. And uh, it, it's a, it's a big deal for me. So. Well, I think that's what makes, um, you know, each individual uh, program has their different nuances. And I can certainly attest to the fact that Tulane, as well as Vanderbilt, but Tulane specifically um, is, is much more than just the sport of baseball. I mean, you're talking about a nationally ranked program at a, at a high, high level of an academic uh, environment for student athletes and all that goes with that, the responsibilities of of uh, being a student, uh, being a quality uh, young man, um, quality teammate, and obviously, uh, hopefully, a successful and good baseball player. Hey, check you know, one out. of the things. One thing I do want to tell yeah. you, and the people out there. So, you know, not only are we getting this education, not only are we uh, getting players drafted um, at a, you know, highest rate in Tulane in a long time. Um, we're winning in the classroom too. You know, we've had 11 straight semesters, Walter, uh, with a team GPA above a 3.0. Um, that, that's pretty hard to do, you know, and we say all the time, why? And it's like, cause we can, and, uh, it is an important part of the decision that kids make when they come here and we can do it all, you know, and that's part of the life skill thing. It's just like, organization and preparation and just understanding, you know, what a 24 hour clock looks like, what a week looks like, all those types of things. And then we can still spend a lot of time playing baseball. We can still spend a lot of times uh, doing good in school and we still have time to enjoy the college experience too. So um, pretty pleased, you know, really the only thing we haven't done yet is, win the league and kick the door down to the postseason. But uh, I'm hopeful that uh, through just diligence and the replication of that championship behavior that we've kind of been talking about on this call, just kind of an every day that ends in why it just, it's going to strike on our time here quickly, but uh, there's certainly a lot to be proud of. Well, I think the train is headed in the right direction. It's firmly on the track. We're off to a good start. We're up to as high as I believe number 18. I know you have a tough midweek tomorrow. Uh, Southern Miss, but uh, you know your schedule is uh, it's not like there's any uh, weak sisters in there. It's a it's a full 54 game schedule, but uh, one, hoping one that ends in a a host uh, event in the city of New Orleans that would certainly uh, you know be a, a pleasant experience for all those people in the green and the roll wave category. But I want to say thank you to you personally because I know this is we're in the middle of the season. I know you and Jay. Uh, I text you a lot, and uh, I definitely consider you both friends, uh, and I appreciate you taking time away from Miss Tracy, and 
you know, please give my my best to her. And uh, I want to say roll wave. Uh, I will continue to be a huge wave supporter. Uh, I am uh, always watching from afar. I, I watch all the games uh, in the cold, frozen tundra of New England. Uh, uh, when I when I get the opportunity to get down in New Orleans, I, I certainly hope to uh, wear my BP jacket and with pride. And uh, I hope nothing but success for the remaining portion of the season. Walter, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate you and this opportunity and you, uh, you and the boys, you guys are always welcome here. So you say the word and uh, love to have you, but uh, thanks for all, thanks well, all you the, do uh, for not just me and us, but for what you're doing for all these other people too, just trying to educate themselves and that's really what I want is just the ability for everybody to educate themselves, research people, programs, because just at the end of the day, you're only going to be uh, successful in a place that you're happy where your feet are. Uh, sometimes that means people tell us no, but uh, I'm mature and, and wise enough to know that, you know, everybody just needs to be where they want to be and where they they're most educated to belong. Okay. So that they have the opportunity to succeed. So what you do for us and them and all that stuff like that, it's, it's awesome. And, uh, uh I appreciate you. Well, I appreciate you and a uh, quick text from uh, number 11. Uh, he says that if the lockout continues uh, he will be definitely making his way to, uh, to church yeah. and field to uh, to see the the man in green. So he just sent me okay, that text great. to say he loves you and looking forward to seeing you. So I want to let everybody know that find your way Tulane uh, in the great city of New Orleans. Uh, you know a great conference, underappreciated conference. Uh, you're going to see great baseball, East Carolina, South Florida. Uh, you know uh, these are these are high level programs, and, and Tulane's definitely. In the top of that pack. I want to say thank you to everybody for joining us this evening. We'll go back to our regular Monday night event next week. Uh, Texas A&M head coach uh, will be joining us. Butch has his show on Athlete 911 on Sundays at 9 p.m. Next week, Real Talk will be on Monday the 14th. Uh, and that will be at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, this will be available on podcast tomorrow morning under the Masters of Baseball. Uh, again, that's our educational format where we provide these podcasts for families and student athletes. So I want to say thank you again to everybody. Have a great night and uh, roll wave. Roll wave. Thank you.